Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media. A good story is a good story. Hosted by Marsha Casper Cook. Live shows every week with interesting interviews in the entertainment field with writers, producers, directors, and screenwriters. There's also shows about newsworthy topics and group discussions about writing tips to help writers reach success. New to the show are conversations about personal struggles and how to feel good about yourself in today's world. One thing's for sure, it's always a lively conversation and lots of fun. So sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. It's Marsha. We're going to have a great show today. We have Allison Rice on, and um, she is funny. I haven't known her for long, but I feel like I've known her for like 20 years. So I think you will, too, <laughs> once she's on the air. And uh, I'm going to let Allison talk about herself, and um, then we'll discuss many subjects. Hi, Allison. I'm so glad you came on. It's so great meeting hey, you. Hey, Marsha. Like I'm I do so excited to be here this morning. Um, I feel like we know yeah, each other already because we've talked on the phone. So tell everybody about yourself. Uh, well, I'm a debut author at the moment. Uh, my book, The Key to Circus Mom Highway, just came out in January. Um, and I'm working on another novel right now and writing a screenplay. And I'm also a mixed media artist and I do photography. And before that, uh, I, well, I was an actress for a lot of years, and the longest role I did was Connor Walsh on As the World Turns for seven years. And when we'll I ended up, mm-hmm. what was what was that? We will talk about that for sure. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, when I left the entertainment industry entirely, I ended up running personal growth retreats around the country for about a decade, and then kind of burn out doing that and wanted to get back to creative work so came back to the entertainment industry but on the other side of things and worked in creative development at uh, a a new streaming network at the time called the stage network my son's stepmom who had gotten to be a good friend uh, Alette she's the one who brought me into that and did that for a few years got you know got to start producing while I was there and eventually the network folded and, and COVID happened. And um, I've been working at Atomic Focus Entertainment, which is a female-owned production company. And the three of us working there now uh, were all at the stage network together. And one of them is Tom Wigan, who played Kirk on As the World Turns. He's married to Jen, who is one of the execs at the stage network. So small world so Alette knew yes, Jen is. and said you have nobody to ever friend, knows Jen. who they'll run into I know <laughs> I know and I hadn't talked to Tom in years she's like yeah my friend Jen is married to to Tom Wigan from the show we all ended up at the stage network and that was a really great reunion and Jen is fantastic and so we're working together now so what do you do at the network what are you doing there now what are your projects well, we've been um, developing a lot of projects uh, since it is new, and it started right before the pandemic hit. Yeah. So right when we were working on developing all these shows and um, 
finding shows that we sort of brought in that other people had written that we started shopping to the network. Then everything closed down, the entertainment industry closed yeah. down. So we just kept working on development at that point. Um, right now we have the Always Authors podcast um, that is still going on. And it's just two authors in conversation with one another. And um, working on developing a, a rock documentary about somebody who's toured around with lots of very, very famous individual performers and bands and um, oh, his whole family. <clears throat> so we're in the investment. It sounds like fun. I know. It is. So you do a lot of things. I do a lot of things. I do so many things. It's, it's. I feel like I'm juggling plates in the air. Um, yeah, well, so I just kind of go with whatever. You seem to be doing whatever. a good job of it, though. Oh, well, thanks. Thank you. Um, yeah, I kind of go with whatever's pulling me most that day, or if anything has a impending deadline, that sort of trumps everything. But right. in terms of the creative projects, I just kind of follow where the energy is going for me. And if I get stuck doing, you know, when I'm working on writing, if I get stuck, I'll go do one of the more visual arts, the mixed media or photography. Cause so that helps, that helps you get back into a mental state where it you can go It absolutely helps because, yeah, I feel like, you know, when you're writing, I'm using one part of my brain. And when I'm, when I'm doing the art or photography, it's I'm in a different place. So when I go back to the writing after that, things have shifted and the ideas are coming. So I find that they, all the different mediums that I work in help one another in that way. Yeah, I think that's true. I think, you know, that because everybody does get stuck once in a while. And, uh, you know, I think sometimes, that, well, that's why a lot of people turn to TV now. They do watch a lot on TV because, you know, sometimes even for me, when I'm watching TV, I start thinking about my story and my mind is, freer than it was when I was sitting there trying to think. Yeah, same, then same. something hits me and then I go, oh, this is good. Because I know, like you write screenplays too, so I write, when I'm writing a book, screenplays, but I've really started, been writing books now, but I write scene by scene in my head is what I see. Yeah, yeah, so me too. if I'm watching TV, I actually, I actually I like, did oh. this backwards. I, yeah, I worked backwards because I... I wrote the screenplay version first, knowing I was going to be expanding it into a book. But because I write it and I don't know where it's going in the beginning, I didn't yeah. know how it was going to end. I um, the really uh, it's a very rigid format for you know, as you know, writing a screenplay and it has to be a certain number. That's of pages. where my books are from. To... Several of them are from screenplays. Yes, I know. It's like an yeah, outline. So it it for exactly it was like an outline. It forced me to shape the character arcs and know where yeah. where the peaks were of everything and it forced me to kind of bring everything to a close and I had an ending and once I had that then I started expanding. Right. See right. That's the thing. I, I do the same thing except, you know, a lot of times, which is how I, I look at it, that my book is better than the screenplay because I've know the character better and I get time to develop the character more than in screenplay because in the screenplay it's kind of vague some of the things you do it's and I love dialogue but sometimes you need to know the person more and also you don't have room to have you you don't have room to 
write all of the colorful descriptive scenes and and all the side characters and for me the side characters are really important because I wanted the yeah. characters traveling through this landscape that was populated by really funny slightly over the top characters um yeah. you know I always loved Carl Hyacin cuz his characters just really strike a chord with me in terms of my sense of humor um, so I knew I wanted you have a sense of humor, and let me just say to anybody listening out there, and when they look at my show page, the YouTube of your fine, I'll write my own damn song will be, and you must watch that because it's such <laughs> a, it just it shows a side of you that you know, which is you know, you're putting yourself all out there on that, so it's really fun. Yeah, it, for people listening, that's a, a comedic rap music video message to my son that I did <laughs> kind of joking about not being invited to be on his music, like like who puts their mom in their rap stuff. Um, but I just had this funny idea about it and then <laughs> developed it. And so I wrote it and directed it and produced it and um, pulled in a couple of college friends of my son's who had shot some of his music videos to come and do, and do the shooting of it. And it was right before, like toward the end of 2019, and got it done, got it finished by the beginning of, of or maybe by December of that year. And, um, and then the pandemic hit. So mm-hmm. I was sending it out to film festivals, and it got in a lot of film festivals around the country and around the world. And so for me, that ended up being such a high point in a very difficult year, 2020, when, yeah. you know, we had stay-at-home yeah. orders in California and yeah. um, just everything Chicago shut down. Too. Right, yeah. No work. Yeah, yeah so, so every time it got into a new festival um, or won an award at a festival, it was just, it was a bright spot for me in, in a hard yeah. year. It's a very, I think it was a really hard year, you know, and I say this a lot, like even when I remember doing one show right when it began and yeah. I had some guests on. So we all were like, you know, should I have the show? Should I not? I go, yeah, I'm going to have the show, you know, because it was so dark, like very dark. Time. So then we, I just did shows all the way through and naturally everybody that was available at any time because nobody was doing anything. But we all, it was like kind of everybody was so shocked that how could we even stay home for like a week? And then it got to be yeah. two weeks and a month. And it was very strange yeah. time for all of the people that, you know, for everybody, you know, because we were never very home. Strange. I mean, only if someone was sick for a few days, they would stay home, but never where people were just home. So it was yeah. such an experience and nobody knew if they were going to write about it. And most of the authors I have on don't want to write about it. They, you know, they don't well, even include it. Well, who wants to relive it? it? You know, right. people read books to escape, like to escape right. back into the pandemic. So, that right. does not and sound even appealing sometimes to I me. I think there's right, and there's movies that I've seen that mention it, and I don't even want to be watched. I, you know, it's such a depressing time. You know, I know. I remember but, Grey's Anatomy that it, it, when they started incorporating oh, yeah. it, and I just was like, I mean, and how could they not? Because it's they a hospital, so, yeah. and it was so tied with hospital. Yeah, right, but right. Yeah. I really didn't enjoy watching any of those in that season. I know. I know. I still watch Grey's Anatomy. People go, you still watch it? I go, yeah, I do. They keep putting in new characters. I really like it. I, I mean, I do. You know, and I watch I know. it all the I, I love that show. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And nobody ever talks about it. I love it. 
because I just yeah. watch it. You know, they have new characters and they get new stories and they really put people in and right away you're you're right in their stories because they, they she's really Chandra. I mean, there's no question she's good at what she does. You know, yeah, and right. it's wonderful because I like you know and. I just like the way it is with, with, you know, it's not just all medicine. It's about, it's like a soap opera. So, you know, yeah, that's it a good is. segue to your soap opera. But I think people like soap opera type. Yeah, they do. And, you know, I, I was never a soap watcher growing up. So I, when I got cast on it, I really didn't know what to expect. But right. what I found was there were so many people that I would get letters from who you know, the characters on the show were like family. You know, you tune in every day, and there are a lot of people out there who see the people on the show because it was every day of the week, or at least all the weekdays, that they see them more than they see their actual family. So, you know, it's comforting (laughs) when people see the people over and over that they know, especially people out there who are alone and feeling lonely and, Yes. You know, the characters became friends. So I thought that was an amazing thing about soap operas and also how they got passed down in families from generation to generation. Yeah. That's how I got got into it. And right, you know, and the two that I watch now are Bold and Beautiful and um, I watch Young and Restless. I think I watched Young and Restless when I was younger and then I had son and we I was dizzy and then my mother got ill and so then I started watching it again with her with and bold and beautiful you know and yeah. I still watching it now those, those are some of the only now ones you can on. take, now you can put it on demand so it's great you know or you tape it yeah it's great yeah yeah you know years ago they didn't have those things you know but now right. it's so great that you can do that but you get involved with the characters and I and yeah, I on do. Facebook you probably do see see some of the I'm on some of the groups, I think, when they post, and they they get so mad if a person, they go, what's wrong with him? Or, what's wrong with her? You know, and, you know, know, they come up with ideas that who knows if if they take them, but they might, you know. But yeah. I still watch, and I really, I think it's just a way you don't think about anything other than those characters at the time. Right. So it's right. like therapy for people. I love it. it Do is. you watch any now? Yeah. Um, no, I don't Which watch one? any soap now. You know, once I once I was off, I was away from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I tend to watch stuff more. Like I, I've just been watching the show. Have you seen this? The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. No. It's a docu series about a ranch. Um, you can watch the first season. It's on FX. You can watch the first season on Netflix, and I think Hulu has the second season because I went called? there. What's it called? Because the the secret of Skinwalker mm-hmm. Ranch. Okay, wow. It's a docu series, and there's this ranch in northeastern Utah where paranormal activity has been going on for so many years. The government has studied wow. it. This aerospace guy had bought the land from this couple that didn't want to be on that land anymore after all these really disturbing wow. things they were seeing, and. All of his stuff, nobody knew what came out of the research, but he ended up selling it a few years back, and this other guy bought it, and now they're doing a show on it. And they've brought in this aerospace engineer slash astrophysicist uh, from from Alabama, and he sort of came in, was listening to them, 
when they brought him in and said what they wanted him to work on, you know, kind of a little skeptical coming in. But after the first season, he was so sold on this research and what was happening. And then the second season, even more stuff starts happening and they find ways to, like, start triggering the activity. And they've caught stuff on video. And the third season is crazy. So I highly recommend that show. Yeah, because my the the uh, Virginia Grenier, who I started shows with, she doesn't do it in the last five years, but she was actually on a show last week. We did shows together. She's from Utah, so I will talk to her about it and see if she knows oh, about yeah. it. Uh, yeah, you know, a uh, lot of things do happen that sometimes people are afraid of. That's why they don't watch them. But you know, there is a lot of different activity that we don't know about. I used to have ghost hunters on. Um, Several years ago, I had somebody doing shows and Willow Cross, and she would be going to ghost outings, like even, and then I'd be on the other Mm -hmm. end, and she would go into like old, you know, rehab centers and old places where nobody was there. You know, there are, it's kind of interesting, all of those things. You know, I find everything interesting. You know, it sounds like a lot of those, a lot of those shows, it's a lot of searching and, and just like tiny things that happen, and yeah. this one is more than that. Yeah. So all right, so I'll be I'll be doing that. Cause yeah, Fox I won't has, say anything. Another else about show it, that I started just... to watch, which I, I which is Monarch, <laughs> it's called, I think. Um, you know, sometimes there's so much going on now, and so many shows. Like I used to know like everything I wanted to watch, but now every five minutes or something. And I got like, I know. you know, I said, okay, I I'll watch this, crazy. and then I put it in my stuff on TV, and then something else comes on, and then I watch something else. So it's it's kind of, it's really good for people, though. I don't think TV is bad for people. I think and it's really good for writers because it's very good to watch and also listen to audiobooks when you're writing because it helps you with dialogue. Yeah, definitely. And I I. I feel like dialogue was pretty easy for me, and I think it was from so many I years of work with script. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that part, you know, and I've described it before as when I'm writing dialogue as a writer, I sort of go in and embody the character and like in their mind and in their heart, the same way I would approach a character when I was acting. I mean, you got to really be living that person to. Yeah. Um, in that moment, to be able to be convincing in your portrayal. So, so when I do that, and I just, I'm that character, and the dialogue just kind of flows very easily for me that way. Yeah. So dialogue comes easily to me too, but for a lot of people, it does not. Right. You know, and I think when I when I because when I started writing, I didn't write screenplays, but it was just barely in writing, and then. I would go to workshops, you know, years ago, and then screenwriting, they go, oh, you don't want to be a screenwriter, you know, you just want to be a writer. You know, it was very highbrow in Chicago, <laughs> and it was like horrible. Yeah. People would sit there, and somebody would read, and then they would, def- they would, oh, the, the what they were giving them, the advice, and the, it was mean, you know, and then I said, oh, I can't do this, because I never gave a piece of anything that I wrote, but then when yeah. it came to screenwriting, I, I started to learn how to write better then as, as yeah. in a novel because yeah. it was hard coming up with how to write like people talking. But once you do a screenplay, 
That's all you do. Yeah, it's all dialogue in the screenplay. They don't want long paragraphs of descriptions right, of locations yeah, or yeah, it's like the more don't white have... on the page, the better it is. That's why I say, and people don't believe it, right. but the truth is, the whiter the page, the better it is. They don't want a lot of anything. So let's talk about yeah. your book before we, you know, okay. okay. So do you want to read a little, talk about the book a little, and then if you, do you want to read, I never like to read on, on the show. Do you want to? Um, yeah, sure. I'll read a little passage. I won't make it too long, but I, I do have one that I could read. Okay, um, good. All right, do you want so to tell everybody what it's about? Yeah, it's it's the key to Circus Mom Highway, um, and two sisters who live in the Chicago area um, get a call from a lawyer in Florida saying that their birth mom has died and she's left them some money. And the thing is, these sisters, these who are kind of estranged at the moment at the top of the book, did not know they had a birth mother. They they did not know that the parents that raised them were not their real parents. And they're out wow. of the picture now. That they can't ask them. Um, and what they're told is that all children have to be present at, you know, at the reading of the and will, or the money is forfeited. Wow. So one of the sisters who lives in Glenview doesn't want to go. She doesn't need the money. The other sister, who's kind of been in a downward spiral, Jessie. She's um, the younger of the two of them. And she's had a hard time holding on to jobs and employment. And she's now working at the top of the book. She's working as a bartender at this horrible strip club. She's living with the owner who she finds disgusting, but she's just been in this bad place. So um, after the call with the lawyer, she tries to get some time off to go down. He says no. He tries to make a move on her. She rejects him, quits her job, and he kicks her out of the apartment. So so anyway, um, and that's where I'm going to read from in a second when she's going to his apartment to clear out her stuff. So anyway, they she guilt trips her sister into going down to Florida with her, and they get there, and they find that there's an unusual stipulation that they have to go on this little journey of sorts and meet different people who knew their mom who will tell them little bits of her story because she wanted them mm-hmm. to know why she made the choices she made, why she abandoned them yeah. as little kids. And so uh, so that's what they have to do. In the course of the book, they find out they also have a brother, which they did not know. So they're, they're so, on this so, road trip. You know what, trip. these things could happen, though. These things could happen and do happen. Yeah, yeah. So you know, these three characters, somebody pops up. Yeah, so I wanted the the characters of the siblings to be all kind of grounded in reality. You know, they're they're more realistic characters. And then the two sisters coming from Chicago, they have to go through the deep south. So they're total fish out of water down there. And that's yeah. where the landscape they're going through. Everything is heightened a little bit <clears throat> for comedic effect. The side characters are all very funny. Um, so they're on this trip, and at first none of them want to be traveling with each other. And there's a lot of bickering that's that's funny, sibling bickering, and a lot yeah. of misadventures that happen while they're on the way. And over the course of the trip, they start bonding. So that's all I'm going to say about the book. Okay. <clears throat> all right, because more stuff happens, but I don't want to give the rest away. No, right. Um, exactly. You want them to read the book. Yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of twists and turns that happen. It's kind of nonstop action the whole the whole time. So I wanted 
I wanted to write a book where it was I just had people laughing all the way through it because I love reading right. books like that. And as yeah. I was writing, because I didn't go in with a set, you know, plot points and storylines, you know, stuff in the backstories of the mom and, and all the siblings, there's some like more serious themes that come into play. And um so there are there are moments where the backstories you get to see a little deeper into the characters, and and I think it it ended up giving the characters all a little more depth, and and then you're still laughing throughout it. So so that to me kind of that helps when you're when you have stories storylines that are more serious to have people also laughing. It, everything yes. goes well, in a little right, deeper the, when the, people right, are laughing. In real life, right? Sometimes you know. In real life, even like if someone dies and then they start telling stories about somebody and then they, you know, at the worst exactly. moment in time, you're laughing because you think of something funny. Exactly. Okay. Um, sorry if my dogs bark in a minute. There's somebody that's going to be coming down to the door, so hopefully that won't last long. All right. Okay. So this is just <laughs> after uh, Jessie's quit her job and her boss slash boyfriend has kicked her out of his place. Jesse climbed three flights of stairs, then unlocked the front door and entered Kyle's third floor walk-up. His studio apartment was about as nice a place as his dingy office, except for a few touches here and there that made it seem like a woman had at least attempted to make it better than a frat boy's dorm, Chicago Bears bedspread notwithstanding. <laughs> Jessie darted around the apartment quickly, gathering her things and shoving her clothes and personal item bag that she pulled down from a shelf in the closet. Once the duffel bag was full, she supplemented with a few plastic grocery bags that she pulled out of a broken kitchen drawer. Her thoughts as she raced around, ranging from anger at Kyle to relief at being rid of him to panic about where she could land next, bounced around in her head like a pinball machine while snippets of her phone conversation replayed in her head on endless repeat mode. Kyle's puppy in a dog cage in the corner watched her curiously, head cocked to the side, wagging his tail as Jessie hurried about, mumbling to herself. He was a mixed-breed puppy that Kyle said he found sleeping in the bushes outside their building, though Jessie was pretty sure that was code for I stole him from a neighbor who was distracted doing laundry in the basement. <laughs> Kyle had grandiose plans to train it and make money in the underground dogfighting scene in their neighborhood. But since Jesse thought the sweet little thing might actually be part golden retriever and part beanie baby, she figured the odds weren't good for the success of that business plan in the face of disgruntled pit bulls and rottweilers. Right on cue after Jesse mumbled to herself, what am I forgetting? What am I forgetting? The puppy gave a tiny little yelp. Oh, sweetie, she purred. She stood in the middle of the room facing the cage, conflicted, the two of them locked in a staring battle. The puppy won. Okay, I don't know where we're going to live, but I'm not leaving mm -hmm. you here with that. I, I, should I edit out the swear words because Jesse swears? No, it's okay. go ahead. I think it should be fine. Okay, but I'm not leaving you here with that fucker. He doesn't deserve you. Come here, baby, she said as she set her bags down, pulled him out of the cage, and kissed him squarely on his soft, furry, blonde head. Then she set him down on the floor, picked up the dog cage, 
and she carried it across the room where she proceeded to turn it sideways and dump out the dog poop, up, dunk the dog poop out of the cage and onto the center of the bed. There's the crappy lane now, Kyle, she said to no one in particular. <laughs> Jessie walked back to the corner, set the cage down, picked up her bags and the puppy, and grabbed her guitar case that was leaning against the wall next to the front door. Then she walked out of Kyle's place for the very last time, stealing his dog as she left. Tuesday evening. Uh, the book is broken into eight days. Structure. Oh, that's good. Tuesday evening. Jessie's 41-year-old sister, Jennifer McMahon, lived in the perfectly manicured upper-middle-class neighborhood of Glenview, Illinois, with her perfect doctor husband, Sean. Their perfect children, Connor and Maggie, were both attending their dad's alma mater, Northwestern University. That's where I went also. Though they lived on (laughs) campus, they were close enough to bring their laundry home every week. Glenview was a Chicago suburb where the inner city problems a mere few miles away were like a story you read in the newspaper about some other country and about which you could safely (laughs) exclaim, oh my goodness, that's just awful, while you finished your kale banana smoothie and delightfully flaky almond croissants. Mm -hmm. Geography was merely one item in the growing list of fundamental differences between the sisters. The scant two years that separated them in age was the closest thing about them these days. After years of Jennifer coming to Jessie's rescue under the banner of, oh, she's just free-spirited, Jessie's increasing trouble over the last few years in terms of holding down a job or maintaining a stable living situation and her constant need to be bailed out financially had put intensifying strain on the already challenging relationship. Jessie pulled up to the curb in her 1999 Alpine Green Dodge Neon, the left side of her front bumper tied on with nylon rope, with her stolen dog and all her earthly possessions in tow. Pardon me. She turned off the engine and tried to quell her rising sense of inadequacy as she stared at Jennifer's fairy tale Brady Bunch on steroids house. She took a deep breath looked at the puppy that was sitting on the passenger seat next to her cell phone and said, I'll be right back. Don't make any long-distance calls. She walked up to the front door, took another fortifying breath, and rang the doorbell. Jennifer, in all her straight-laced glory, opened the door and stared at her younger sister for what seemed to Jessie like 15 minutes, but was probably more like 10 seconds. (laughs) Jessie ended the standoff by getting right down to the more pressing business at hand. I assume you got the same call I got, she said. I did, answered Jennifer. There was another awkward pause. You going to invite me in, Jen, or should I just break into your neighbor's shed, grab a lawn chair, and make myself at home here on your porch? (laughs) Jennifer wrinkled her nose, sniffed, and said, you smell like vomit and dog poop. Yeah, Jessie countered. Well, you smell like judgment and superiority. No comment from Jennifer. <laughs> Here we go again, she thought to herself. Okay, that was harsh. I'm sorry, continued Jessie. I'm having some stress issues. I think I might have an ulcer. If you would just let me in, I could clean up a little. Trust me, I'm well aware that I'm not minty fresh at the moment. That's where I'll <laughs> end it. <laughs> well, I will say I did live in Glenview for some time. And Glenview... I think people in Glenview, a lot of times, they don't know there's another world. Evanston, for sure. <laughs> yeah. You didn't yeah, write definitely. Evanston, but Northwestern. I worked in in Evanston. And when you're there, 
in like Evanston with Northwestern, it's like there is no other yeah. place. Well, you know, <laughs> we it. would go downtown, and I, and I was acting at the time, so I would be I'd go into Chicago for auditions yeah. for stuff. So. Yeah. But I would, you know, I was in I was in plays all the time on campus, so I yeah. didn't get to enjoy much of the nightlife in Chicago because I was always in something. But Evanston, really, they're kind of in Evanston for sure because of Northwestern. It all when there's game time, everybody goes. There's no parking anywhere in any part of the the blocks. I used to work right down the street when in a doctor's uh, in a. I worked for doctors for years, and it was weird because when Evanston had a game, there was no parking anywhere. You couldn't even go down the streets. Yeah. It's very in Evanston, yeah. Glenview. You know, a lot of the suburbs in Chicago they don't ever go to Chicago. Not I grew up in Chicago, so I love Chicago. But they never went. I know it's such so a weird. great city. I love Chicago. Yeah, it is good. You know, now I love it even more because the weather. Other places, I would say, oh, they have such great weather all over. But no, that's not true. We have like the best weather now compared to other people. You know, we well, have so much snow. Spring, spring and fall there, I loved. The winter yeah. was yeah. so harsh. One of the yeah. years I was at Northwestern, it you know because we had wind chill off the lake. So with wind chill, it was I negative know. seventy, negative seventy two below <laughs> I know zero. I and I was like, what? What have I done? Yep. <laughs> Why did I come I know. here? It's a, no, you know, and I would always say, oh, you know, but we really compared to what we had years ago, it's like nothing now because everybody has it so much worse. Like New York has it bad, you know, Philadelphia, uh, yeah. they all have bad snowstorms, but and the years that you were here, yeah, it was really bad, you know, yeah. and we had a lot of ice and snow and I hate ice and snow. I, I don't yeah. like driving in, but, you know, but it's a great place to be. So it's interesting when you write about it, you know, because that is the way it is. You're in, yeah. like, say, Glenview or Evanston. This is who you are. You're there. Yeah. You're like an Evanston. You know, and I love, used to call. I, I love trying to work in a mention of Northwestern because in anything I'm working on. Because when I got out it. of school, it, well, I got out of school, and I started noticing in so many movies and TV shows Oh, there would be a mention yeah. of Northwestern because there's yep. so many people in the inter- entertainment industry who who went to Northwestern. Grew up right. So right. a lot of people in Chicago and yeah, they, right. comedians so, too. So a, lot downtown. People, a lot of I mean, people work yeah. it in. So that's that's they what do. I'm doing too. It's, it's kind of a my fun editor, little game. My editor that I always use for most of my book, well, he was from Northwestern, you know, and yeah. everybody does know Northwestern. It's true. You're yeah. right, and um, it's kind of a name that people do drop a lot of times because it's kind of yeah. a great place though it is you know and that whole community yeah. around there you know right i mean all the fraternity houses everything on sheridan and you know it it, it is it's unique you know and it's I, you I know it's many times when i was there yeah you know when i used to drive in evanston still to this day i never it's like you don't know where you're going you go to the downtown, it's like yeah. you turn down one street and you go, how did I get there? And I, no matter how long you could be going there. And then I go, why don't I come here more often? And we're like, well, every time you go, I don't even know where you're going. Because the streets are so weird, you have to drive. We know this is true. Right? And it yeah. is. 
but it's such a it's a great namesake because you really, they do say Northwestern a lot in movies. Because yeah, and I know, mentioned that I mentioned that to a friend who had never noticed that, and once I noticed yeah. it, my friend heard it all the time yeah. after that. Yeah, yeah, and I know right. And soon now I'm laughing because you said Glenview. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Because it's true. A lot of people they don't go downtown. You know, I grew up in Chicago, that's why I know it. But a lot of people don't. They go like, I'm going into the city, and they just think they're in Glenview Evanston, but they don't. The city for me is Chicago, because I still feel yeah. I'm from Chicago. Even though I'm in a suburb, I still feel Chicago. Yeah. You know, yeah. I am from Chicago. You know, no matter where I live, I'm from Chicago. And I love it, you know. But, yeah. you know, I always would say, like, oh, the weather. Thinking like now, we all say this because we have much better winters than when you were here. Because the last seven, five years, I think they've been pretty good compared to, I'm knocking wood here. But, you know, we've had snow in May and April when other people don't. That's so kind crazy. Weird, but you know, and, and I, I left, I left LA at the last fall and um, moved back to the East Coast. I've been out, I was out in LA the second time for about 25 years. And I thought, well, I'm going to at least get to see snow. I missed snow when I was out there. I mean, you can get to snow very easily. You just drive up the into the mountains and you're you're in snow within an hour. But, you know, just seeing it. And I got here and it's been spring all winter. And I had a friend uh, who also went to Northwestern. Um, She posted a video on Facebook and she lives in Burbank and it was snowing on her street in front that. of her house. I know. It's and so we weird haven't had any that. snow back east, so crazy. Yeah, but so many different areas, you know, because uh, I see people on Facebook that I know, and you know, they put their pictures out, and they're in New York, or they're in, you know, uh, I think Massachusetts now got it. So, I mean, you know, there really is a lot of snow around here. I mean, it's a very different time now when weather is, you know, climate change, <laughs> but it is true. Yeah. We used to have really intense winters here. Well, you couldn't even, like even when my son was little, we would be, you couldn't even send him outside alone because the mounds of snow were covering us. And Every also time when I you have snow, the scary I... low wind chill numbers, they say don't oh be outside God. with exposed skin for longer than a yeah. certain amount of seconds. And... <laughs> and it really is cold. We had that, I know we had like 50 below wind chill like this winter. It was a little cold, I'd say. But yeah. and things, everything in the house freezes. It's weird, you know. You yeah. got to put the water where it's going because otherwise the water freezes. And it's it's yeah. true. It's not a joke. It's not. It could be serious, you know. But then when yeah. I look around at all these other places that have all this flooding, I'm scared of that. I don't swim. And whenever I see water like that, even when I look at yeah. Lake Michigan, I'm always scared when I drive like on Michigan Avenue. You know, when you you're on Lakeshore Drive, it is all. It's like so I look at that water, and it's just so, it's like freaky to me. I'm, I'm scared sometimes. I look at it, I go like, oh, my God. You know, and people really, they go in when they're not supposed to. I'm thinking, like, why? Because it looks yeah. scary sometimes in the winter. Yeah. To me. You know, I guess it's maybe because I don't swim. Who knows? But anyway, so it sounds like your book <laughs> is so funny. And are you having an audio book? I was looking for it. You don't have it yet. I don't have it yet. It's been, uh, my son did the editing and he's been doing the mixing and mastering and it's just taken a little longer than we had thought right, it was going to. Right, it'll be great and I want, I, I love audio books. 
this is my, I love it. Yeah, so getting, you know, getting when those, I'm writing, I don't read too much, but I listen a lot to audiobooks. I know, and you can, I can listen walking the dog, and I can listen driving the car. Yeah, I love I it. I love audiobooks. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't, past, but I do. I love them. You know, and I think the problem with Audible, why people aren't buying them as much, you know, and spending money on it is because it is quite a little expensive. And I think they said they were going to lower some of the prices, you know, but I think yeah, that's I one think of the things that. that, yeah, And but there's free codes, for, so, you know, so for those that want free codes, you know, you can always ask me for a free code because we get free codes from Audible. You, know, you can really also nice. get audio, you can get audio books from the library as well. Yes, you yes. Know, in case people on, don't know that. Talking so. about that. Right. And yeah, that's so if you, but you see, and somebody mentioned to me, because people weren't going to work now, you know, in their cars as much or on the train, then that's why they weren't doing as well, because people weren't in their cars or they're not outside as much. Now yeah, the people still have to work with people still have to go to the grocery store and, and run errands right. and stuff like that. But like it's not a far drive sometimes, you know. So then they're just you know, and now everybody's talking on the phone. So sometimes you don't, you know. You can see people right. are talking on the phone. I don't talk as much as I did on the phone. I, you know, I talk I talk a lot to my friends, but I you know I used to talk more. I think to people. And I think that's what happened with COVID. You know, everybody texts all the time, so it's just an easy call, which I end up calling people because I can't stand to do 10 texts. Go like, well, what time? Where? When? I'm like, oh, just let me call you. (laughs) We'll make a plan, you know. It seems much easier that way. I have to admit, I do prefer texting than getting on the phone, you know, unless it's something like this. Um, Yeah. I don't like long texting back and forth. It's like, then it's like, why aren't we just talking? But right. just to do minor things, right. I don't want to have to get on the right. phone no, with somebody. Right. And then right. Just little things. Absolutely. Yeah. But then yeah. to talk and have a conversation, it's too hard, you know, and then back and forth. And then if the other person seems to do something else, you don't get an answer back for like a day. <laughs> what happened here? Where are they? Right. <laughs> you know, and that is that's the thing. The one thing that has changed, though, which is I think is not a great because if you don't like answer your phone, like I always do, or I always call back, but people don't. And you know, I do think yeah, people I, think I that people should be doing this twenty four hours a day, but it's not true, though. Yeah, I, 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 a lot of people yeah. just can't. You know, it, it's too much. All right, let's. Um, there's something that you brought up. Wait a minute. Oh, this is the one thing. See, when you're writing, it seems to me that you're talking as you write. It's like you talking the story out. Is that what you do? Yeah. Because you write, well, when, you, I, when I'm listening to you, it's like how you talk. Yeah, I mean, in a lot, like I don't talk out loud. I didn't do it out loud until I was getting ready to do the audio book. And then, yeah. well, I'll t- I can talk about that in a second. But I feel like I I channel the characters in the story like a lot of times I would feel like the book was writing itself and taking me on places and because there were times where I would you know inject myself into it you know I would get to a certain point and I would say what would make this funnier right now or I would say what would what would make this more interesting what would catch the care guard in this moment and that's actually how the character of Jack developed. 
I did not have him in mind when I started this, but you know, as they began their journey, um, that's where I was like, what what would catch them off guard? You know, now that they've started, and he was the answer to that. See, I think that's a great so idea. Think, See, that's one of the things because when you write without a definite outline, you allow yourself the fun of writing the story and seeing what happens. Exactly. And a lot of times I would find that I was as surprised by where it went as I hoped that my readers would be when they read the book. I think that's true, though. I think readers are surprised. When you are, that means the reader is, because you don't see it coming. Right. Right. And, And, you know, when I was sort of just channeling the characters within a conversation, a lot of times... I would go back or I would be rereading it and something, things would pop in that were, were funny, extra little things to add. And I wouldn't even yeah. remember that I had written that because I'm just constantly editing as I go and I'm yes. not in one place and I go back a lot and I jump all over the place. And I hadn't remembered writing it. And it would make me laugh when I got to it and I would go, oh my God, I totally forgot about that line. Or yeah, I yeah. would tear up not remembering that I had written something in a certain way. And I thought, well, that's a good sign. I mean, even though it's my story, and of course I love it, um, <laughs> I, I think it's a good sign when it can do that, when I'm because the one who really put it on the character. Because there are some right. times when I'm writing a line, and then I have, I think, oh, this is great. Just look at this character. <laughs> Then I go like, oh, my God, the character said it before or did it. But if I read back, I go, oh, my God. And if I do it again, that's because the characters become, like you say, real. And that's how they talk. And that's how they think. So when that happens, you know, you go like, oh, yeah, (laughs) because that is them. It's not you. It's hard for people to get used to the fact when they're writing. It took me a long time to get used to the fact that this is not me. So what my characters say is not me. So if they say something, and when I started writing a sexier book, or and I wrote swear, you know, I sweared a lot. I'm thinking this isn't really me, but this is my character. So you have to get past right. that and let the character be who they are. Right. One of the um, one of the reviews that had been done about the book, from a Midwest Book Review, um, she said she was talking about how the book excelled in the unexpected and. She said that I was particularly good at writing writing things from multiple perspectives, you know, within the yeah. same topic. And and it's because of that sort of embodying the character and going back and forth. So when Jesse and Jack are arguing about country music, like I'm saying what Jesse would say and I'm responding the way Jack would respond. So Right. I, I just think that's a good thing to do. And especially that because you have from your training also in soap opera because you yes. had confrontation all the time. You're talking to a character, yeah. somebody else. Right. right. And so that makes you a better writer because, I mean, I think these things do help people write better. when Because if you can't write dialogue, you can't express, the people don't get into the characters as much as when you're hearing them talk. Because, right. you know, and sometimes they say stuff that isn't great, but that's how they think. Right. It just comes out. You know, and and 
I always have, you know, readers in mind also. So when something would develop and I would try to, I would try to read it as someone who's reading it. So if there was something ridiculous that, that a character did or a, a plot mm-hmm. point that seemed outrageous, you know, I knew it made sense in the story, so I wanted it in there. But there were also, I had the char- different characters voice what I knew different readers would be feeling. It's like, I know there are a lot of people out there who are going to find this, like, oh, my God. Somebody would say or do something. And when I reread it again, I let one of the characters be the voice of the reaction of someone reading it. So different characters reacted to things different. I don't know if that makes right. sense at all, but no, it does. Yeah, I get that. I get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's so what, kind because of, it's, it's the character doing it. It's not you. I mean, it, a good writing is when you can put yourself. You're not in it. Right. It's they. They. They take over the story. They do the story. Right. And that's why if you're writing it and something goes wrong, it's they did it, so you have to figure out why they did it or make it where somebody can understand it because it's not really coming from you because once you establish your character, hopefully your right. character takes over and gets a personality they take you on a and journey. you're just writing it. Yep, exactly. Is that how you so do it? it? Was kind of- yeah, so it was kind of fun doing it that way. So a character would do something, and then part of me would go, that's ridiculous. So whatever character would voice that reaction, I had them right. react in that way to acknowledge that there is a perspective that's going to be like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, It made sense <laughs> to the character. That's why the character right. said it. But somebody else is right. going to have a different response to that. So, that, right. you know, that's always being factored in as well. Right. When you're writing relatives, like sisters, like, or whatever, you know, because I'm writing, um, and this this one that I have, my third novella on the same, you know, in the same, like the legacy of the Warringtons, it's, I didn't realize a lot of it was, like, my sister is gone, but I find myself sitting in the place with my sister talking sometimes. Where I'm getting their relationship, the two sisters, as something maybe my sister would have said to me. So that happens sometimes. Exactly. You know, when you're writing family. And when the guy did my audio book, Tom Lennon, he, I called, after he was doing it, I go, how did you get the father so good? I mean, what? how did you decide to do the father the way you did it? Because I loved how he did it, and he goes, "Well, he just I did it like Ed Asner." So I go, "Like, oh, that's unbelievable!" Because <laughs> that's who I would have imagined in that kind of role, you know. Yes, so exactly. It's kind of I, funny I when cast, someone does it. I cast it early because you know my characters aren't based on real people, so I cast people in my mind who I thought would be able to play this character really well, and that's so. Yeah, a right. lot of times, you, see you know, it. when I was writing that, the voice of that character, that helped a great deal. Although, yes. as the story went along and I got farther into it, the cast changed. And either one yeah. of them would have been amazing, but 
yeah, it started out when I first started writing it. I I was thinking Reese Witherspoon as Jesse, Leslie Mann as Jennifer. If Robert Downey Jr. had been the right age, which he wasn't, it would have been him. So I started picturing Clay Crawford. And yeah. but as the story went on, I went, oh, you know who would be amazing in this is Maggie Gyllenhaal as Jesse and Jake Gyllenhaal as Jack and Judy Greer oh. as Jennifer. Oh, that okay. <laughs> just be an amazing cast for for yeah. the three siblings. See, that, that's the thing. You know, it is, you know, years ago I, when I was an agent, we used to be able to, you know, send to a lot of production companies and whatever. And, you know, um, I think it's, I think now these, you know, like Reese Witherspoon, she is looking for things, but, you know, everybody thinks of her and certain got, things. And, you know, but she's you got a fortress around her. her. She has a fortress around her that it's so hard to get to her, like like Oprah has yeah. around her. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. Yeah, because you know, you you could look it up and you could maybe send it to their agent or you know the lawyer that was representing them or something. But it is hard now. You're right. I mean, on that respect, and that's why you know. And I find it very unfortunate that they're missing a lot of good stories because. Some people have no idea, like some actors have no idea how many people that want them to be in it. And they're good scripts. Yeah. But they just don't get but you to know, the I think, I think there, I think there are even more that aren't good scripts that are also trying to get to them. So, I mean, that's why you yeah. have to have gatekeepers when you're that big. Yeah, but you know, right. so wants- one of the things, because you write screenplays, so you'll, uh, you'll see this. All right. So. When you write a script, and then you have to put it in a script in in one line, and then you have to write the synopsis, which doesn't always get to the essence of what you're of the movie, and yeah. and they're only basing on what they see that you know. Instead, like when I was an agent and took clients, I read their scripts because if you can write. Two lines, that's wonderful. The log line is great. But can you write a script, though? I mean, that's what the problem is. They don't get to read the script. Yeah. They're looking yeah, at the I, synopsis I, I, and the log line. Like, like I was saying, I do everything backwards. So when I started writing stuff like that, I would write it first and then try to do a log line. And my log lines were always too long because I didn't yeah. know how to put all the intricacies into one well, or in maybe two. Well, in a comedy, for sure you can't. In any kind of comedy, this is impossible almost. Right. So, so what someone said was like, you need to write the log line first, and then, like, just encapsulate the i the the big idea you're going for. Get the log line down, and then write it, and it can go wherever it wants. But then, at least you have a very succinct, powerful log line where you're not trying to fit all the intricacies that develop as you're writing it. And I was like, that's a really good idea. I should do that at some point. (laughs) Let's start with it. Yeah, but, you know, but But honestly, see, this is the thing. You know, so I had this person looking at one of my scripts. So she read the script. She goes, it's a really good script, you know, but it's not for us right now. And it was interesting because it was optioned from the same company she was trying to sell it to. So she said, oh, yeah, I could see that. Okay, right, good. So nobody's taking it yet. All right, so then yeah. she's looking for log lines from me, 
and synopsis. And yeah. I kept coming back with different ones, and I, I felt like saying, can you just read the script already? I said, why don't you read the book? Because the book is good, you know, and take the book and do what you want with it. But they don't yeah. have time to read the book. But back and forth, I'm thinking, like, this is why they don't get – this is what happens. You like the idea. If you don't read the script, then this is your fault, you know, because they don't – if you don't read the script, how do you know it's not a good movie? I know. I could not get a lit agent to read the manuscript. I mean, I sent it Great. to 100 people or more. and. I'm like, well, I, it must be that I didn't write a good query letter or synopsis or something like that. And I had not wanted to go the indie author route because from what I had been reading, it it's so much work that goes into marketing and promotion. And I know yeah. wine, 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 but it is. And I, I don't know anything about book marketing, you know, so I just was like, well, I don't want to have to do that. None of us that. did, and we have to learn it. And so... But I do it's think like a career the indie itself. market. But the indie market is is where they're actually they don't want to admit it, but yeah. there's so many good writers out there that are indie. I mean, let's face it, you know, know. And to write to go to a publisher now, you have to. It, you'll wait three years before the book comes out. Well, and it's hard because all the smaller ones have been bought up by the big the yeah, store that right. own everything now, and that makes it it makes it harder, even harder to break into it. Um, it's impossible. So but, that's why I tell people but, take your screenplays and make it a book. Yeah, because at least well, you've got also, some control to, to that to that effect or to that point. Um, there's also another reason to turn your um, screenplay into a book. And it's because if you have a book version of it that's out before someone buy, buys the screenplay, mm-hmm. you own the characters because yep. you've published them in something. So you own those right. characters. Right. And I got this from uh, an entertainment lawyer. The Screen Actors Guild has lectures that you can go to. I went to one of theirs, and it was two entertainment lawyers talking about that. And he said, you know, make a comic book, write a book, write a novella, like put it somewhere first before you sell the screenplay to someone because if it's not out there already with you owning the characters, they will own the characters once they buy the script. Yeah, right, and you don't really want that. And the other thing is, you you know, when you're writing a book or a novella, like I think novellas are good because in Hollywood they are not reading 500 pages. They're not reading 400. They'll read a novella possibly. You know, but right. they won't read a long book. And this is why you see so many people stop writing, which is why I do the show, because I was an agent and I know I had all new clients. They were not yeah. people that were established. And it was hell getting them through. And they did read scripts, but they didn't take them. So the people, they gave it up. They gave yeah. up writing. And I yeah. don't want people to give up writing because I had somebody on here the other day. He wrote 38 books. He was a cop that retired, and then now he's very popular and he's successful. But 38 wow. that were just wow. did nothing. Wow. So this is a business. This is hard. I mean, you were in the main business, it is which business. is on TV. And, you know, you remember years ago, like a star would say, oh, I don't want to be on the small screen. 
but now they're all on the small screen because they're on Netflix. Yeah. They're on, you know, and right. so things right. are different. Yeah, totally. I mean, this everything. The whole business is different than when I was in it. Yeah. This should be, you know, and hopefully somebody will pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, they want. You know, so they want. Places want to just pick up everything where it's already been done. So you've got to yeah. find a way to make it yourself and raise the money yourself and get it done. And then and that is once hard. it's done, then, yeah, then it's still hard. But there's you get a better distribution and then it's a lot, you know. And, yeah. And a network doesn't but, have to do anything. It's already, it's already been you made. You might get a shot at this now because Netflix is buying a lot of things. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, do you have advice? I mean, what would you tell people now? Because I tell people all the time, just keep going. I don't. I say don't just, stop. Yeah, in, in terms of, of writing, just keep going. And, and I have been asked this question, and I, I'm like, don't let anyone make you feel like you don't have enough experience. Right. Even if you don't have any experience, don't let, let anyone make you feel like you don't have enough experience to to give it a go or that you aren't good enough or that you don't have a story to tell or, you know, whatever. There are people out there that will come at you and just make you feel like, why are you doing this? Um, Right. And I, you know, I just think you have to just do it anyway. I agree. Somebody, dog's going to bark again. And it is easier now Um, that the indie authors, because, you know, and I think there's a lot of authors I actually do think this. There's a lot of authors that are very successful and they are writing under another name in the indie because yeah. they can't get some of their things published. Right. You know, and so you know, I think and it's, it's more also, open. Anyone who feels like they don't have enough experience or they don't, like, they don't know how to format a book or they don't know how something's structured or they don't know this or that, it's all out there on the internet, and sometimes you have yes, to. It is. You have to look a little harder. You have to do a deep dive, or you have to find somebody who who um, kind of speaks to you because different people have different ways of saying things or presenting things. But it's right. all out there. Like I, I jump into projects that I know nothing about, or a new medium that I've never done, and I've had people ask me. You know, when I first started writing a TV pilot with a friend, and they're like, well, I mean, don't take this wrong, but, like, what made you feel like you could, you know, do that, basically? Almost well, make, what makes you feel you couldn't and, do that? I mean, why and I said, you? you exactly. Right. I said, I because I decided to. Right, I said exactly. I'm doing it because I just decided to do it because that's what I, that's kind of what I do. Like once I get an idea in my head, I just keep yeah. moving forward and just keep taking action. That's what you have to do. You can't just right. have your ideas and you have to keep taking actions to move forward. And they're not all going to take you to where you want to go, but right. you might find you might discover the next place to go in this thing that ended up being what felt like well, this was a big detour, but they're not. Those all take you somewhere and you learn something that you didn't know before that will take you to the next place. Just, you know, just like writing the book when you don't have the outline. It's like you're on this journey and the next place will take you to the place after that. I so think that's, just I think keep that's great moving advice. forward. 
keep to have fun. Everybody hits places of extreme frustration and disillusionment. That's normal. Yeah. Just take a you know step away and take a break and do something else for a little while, like like I do when I'll go do my artwork or go make something or go take some you know take my camera out for the day. Just step away from whatever is making you feel disillusioned at the moment, and then come back to it later, and you'll have fresh eyes. But right. but keep doing something, and everybody out there is extremely creative, and that's what I really would love for people to hear because I used to do creativity workshops, and those were the hardest to you know get bigger groups because either people feel like they're creative and they don't need to or don't want to spend time and go to a retreat, or they don't feel creative, and that's that was the majority of people. So I started working creative things into the other retreats that weren't about creativity. We would still do stuff. And and it just got people into a creative mode that they didn't know they had because when it comes down to it, that's all we are. We are made of creative energy. We are constantly changing and evolving, which is creative energy at play as you create the life as you move forward. So just know that about yourself. I mean, you may pour your creativity in your real estate job where you're figuring out how to market somebody's condo and, you know, you're writing the copy for the – that's creative. You're being creative. Just people, tend to, people tend to focus it, you know, on what their job is or, or their family because you certainly have to be creative raising kids or being, you know, in a marriage yes. or relationship. Yes, that's true. So, <laughs> right. so, so just know that you're, you've been channeling your creative energy there, but you can also cr- channel it other places that you haven't explored yet. And don't get disillusioned because you feel like you're not good and, and stop telling yourself you're not good. Just go, oh, that, that didn't work. Let me try this instead. Keep moving forward, make another choice. I can't tell you how many pieces of art I felt like I ruined because I took the next step and I was like, oh, that is horrible. I I have to fix that somehow. So I'll do, I'll add other elements that change what I just did or camouflage it. But what it does is adds another layer. And that layer that's underneath that you thought ruined it made it something that you never would have imagined because you went in this direction, didn't work how you wanted it to, you had to do other stuff to try to fix it or change it or whatever. So now you've got more layers to it that make it more interesting. And you can do that with anything. Just don't tell yourself it's bad, it's not good enough, you can't do this. You can do it. You just have to keep going. Keep moving forward. Right, you just, absolutely, you do. You have to keep going, and sometimes if you get stuck and you have to, you know, and then sometimes you'll, if you watch a movie, you'll go like, oh, this isn't a good movie. You'll go, okay, good, then I can do a better one, you know. So, I mean, you can, yeah. it's, it's, we all have doubts a lot of times, and, you know, even when I when I read a review that's a really good one, I'm like, going like oh, I'm so happy, and I don't think people realize how much that matters to us because then you go like, oh, somebody yeah. really got it. They understood what I was writing. They enjoyed it because that's yeah. what you want. Right. You know, you right. don't know this. You're, you, so if you write a book doesn't mean that you just because you write. But when somebody says, 
oh, I really like this, and they mentioned the character, it's like it's such a thrill because they saw something that you wrote and you made up this character, and it's real to you because you've made, you know, you just wrote a whole book about them. People like it. So this yeah, is really a good sign for people. Just don't stop because you think you're not that good. If you look at your reviews and you have some good reviews, then keep going. Don't stop. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so and I think that's what I think we're both alike in that way. We just keep going no matter what. Yeah, just keep going. But you know, on the flip side, don't let a bad review stop you. It's just somebody who's not your audience. That's that's all it is. Right. But I, I want right. to mention, and that's what they you know, that's right. That's what they say. If you get a screenplay and they go, it's a good read. They mean that it's a good read, but yeah. it's not for them. It means they can't produce it and come up with funds for that particular project. But right, they it's not that they don't like your writing. Yeah, one com- one know, comment uh, that from a review that I loved it was on Read the Discovery, and the reviewer, um, first of all, she loved it, which was so great. She said it was a must read, extraordinary story from cover to cover. She, what she said though, she was like, you know, I found myself even after the book was over, thinking about these sisters and brother and their families, hoping that everything turned out well for them, like they were real people, even though they were characters. Right. And this is, I, this is what I love every that author. comment. Isn't that thrilling when yeah. you get that? I mean, it it made it real for you. Yeah, that they get you. You know, I mean, and we all have created, you know, I think you're right. People do have creativity and they, and the thing is, they'll say like, I want to write a book, but they don't. So then just write that book. Yeah. Because a lot of, there's a lot of negative people out there, you know, and unfortunately people give people bad reviews, don't even read the book. So, you know, that's another story. So I'm, I'm hoping you'll come back to talk again. We didn't talk about marketing. It was so great having you. I feel like we're just sitting on the phone talking, chatting. Oh, I know. I know. Me too. It was so much fun. I will come back. It was wonderful having you. Keep in touch. And I hope you do come on again. And, you know, because you're very interesting and upbeat. And I think this is what people need to hear. Thank you. There's other ways you can focus in on some of your, you know, issues because we all have them when we're writing. Everybody. Yeah. So, so anyone who's listened to this, thank you for listening. And if you if you walk away with anything, it's that you are creative and you should go take some action right now around that, and have fun. And then then go on video and so see. I'll write my own damn song, and then you'll see the, your personality. Yeah. Go go watch that video. It, it is a fun video, and it, it did. Win it a is a fun video. I think it is. It's right on. They have to go. Just look on. <laughs> you know, on the page of the show oh, page of Black Talk, they will see because uh, it's on there. You can just click it, and you'll get into it. Thank you. You're very well, interesting. For Thank you so much, so much for fun. coming on. And I will I talk to you next time. Yes, I hope you come soon. All right. Thank you for everybody for listening, and have a great day. Bye.
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.